Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey yo! 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 Oh, that's what you meant when you wanted to do. Yes, sir. Welcome back to another episode of the Have We Made It Yet podcast, the podcast where creatives talk about the process of making it. I am your one of your co-hosts, the actor Lucas Ng. And I am uh, com- the comedian Josh Yang. <laughs> Josh, did you like that Queen rendition that we just did? I did. You you gave me the littlest of heads up. It's like, hey, jo- I'm going to do something. And it, it's like, just I hope you get it. And <laughs> I got it as best as I could on very little notice. But <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> you know, it was off key, pretty sure. <sighs> Dude, who can be off key when they're singing Queen, man? Yeah, who can? exactly. Um, if you've noticed it's a little bit darker on our areas, it's because we're doing this podcast a little bit later in the night, but if not, then you can thank movie magic because artificial lighting is king right now. Yeah. We look so good. Lucas in his green lighting and me in my leaded colorless life form. (laughs) It matches the tone though. matches the tone. Yeah. Um, as we start off with every episode. We have the continual, at times, pretty torturous question. Would you agree with that? Oh, I would agree. I would agree. Mr. Josh Yang. Yes. Have you made it yet? I have not made it yet. I'm throwing a bunch of stuff out there. I I don't think anything's really happened in the last week, other than I've made the decision to go do two episodes a week on the Sleep with Josh podcast. So, yeah, if you want to hear me read things in my monotone voice to help you go to sleep twice a week uh you're in luck so that's that's it that's the most progress so far but lucas and more importantly (laughs) (laughs) sorry choked on myself have you made it yet a full-blown no Uh. but i am getting pretty good at spike ball i'll say that Yes, that's a very popular spike yeah. ball. Um, I, I, I am doing more acting classes right now over Zoom again. Um, I think it's really important to keep sharp while you're in a lull because hopefully the storm will come. And it'd be the most shameful of things if you were not ready for the downpour. Right. So, yes. Gotta do it, man. Gotta do um, it. Gotta do it, man. Dude, our guest today? Yes. Shit. Yes. Yes. Okay. First off, to Josh, we both we all went to SFU together. Um, have, have you met our, I don't think our I, guest in person? 
I'm not too sure. Oh, I don't. Okay. I'm. I'm pretty sure we have mutual friends, but I don't think. I can't remember if we ever did meet, but I know of her. Yes, and and that's why just her name alone has like gravitas among like the SFU community, but also just in BC in general, and in I think North America, like Canada, US too. It's like it's a building empire right now. Ooh, yeah. So okay, I met our next guest at a mutual friend's birthday party a few years back now. Um, I remember we were standing outside by the barbecue, and the birthday girl introduced us to. Um, her name was Vivian Man, or is Vivian Man? Uh, what? <laughs> I know, I know. Just decided to change the first name or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we quickly started talking, and we meandered our conversation to Toronto. As I was then thinking about moving here at that time, mm. um, she quickly told me about her big love of all things Six God, aka Aubrey. AKA Drizzy, AKA Drizzy Drake. D-Rake. By the way, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to stay at that party for too long, but we've been in contact ever since. Mm. Uh, we've kept in contact and we've been in each other's orbits as we've, as I've seen her excel and grow into a multi-talented go-getter you see today. Again, her hustle spirit has seen her be a host for public events, a producer, an interviewer, and a journalist. She has previously worked with CTV, City TV, Novus TV, and also Canadian Idol too, which is pretty big names. Currently, she's building her media empire brick by brick by focusing on stories of Asian millennials through editorials, podcasts, and video content. That empire, which we'll go into detail today, is called Cold Tea Collective. She's inspirational, and it's an honor to have her on here. Please give it up for Natasha Jung. Hey. What? Oh my gosh. Hey, Josh. Hey, Lucas. Hello, um, hello. Well, hello. okay, I can I can verify 100% that that is how we met Lucas. Um, but I can verify probably not a lot of everything else you said that your introduction was like way too kind. But uh, thank you so much for, for having me join you guys today. And Josh, like, I gotta, I, I don't, I can't quite, pin it either just to know if we actually met but i've yeah. definitely i know your name i think cold Deep collect will be promoted in one of your live shows like last year oh. as well yeah i remember um there's the asian producer vong show with his rice show yeah uh, he did yeah that was a recording in january this year and i remember you guys sending out a post there and that yeah. was very nice yeah oh cool awesome. well it's nice to, to be on a call with you and thank you so much for you know, yeah. chatting a little bit later. It's uh, just after 8 p.m. Uh, Vancouver time. So appreciate the, uh, well, I guess that means it's 11 o'clock your time. Thank you so much. All yeah. good. All, All good. good. <laughs> Happy to do it. <laughs> Miss Natasha Jung, have you yes. made it yet? I'm going to quote some Drizzy Drake. Oh, okay, lay it. I haven't thrown up you, my awards speech Oh, so cute. Sorry. Okay, hold on a sec. Something, something, something about... Oh my god, I'm, I'm so embarrassing. Okay. Um, I haven't thrown out the paper for my Grammy speech because I haven't reached the pinnacles that I plan to reach. Ooh. Ooh. And nice. here's another one. Here's another one for you. All right. uh, I'm somewhere between I want it and I got it. Mm. Uh, so there's another one there too. Um... Yes, I would say no, but I caveat that with 
if you asked me maybe 10 years ago mm -hmm. um, for what I imagined for my life at this age, then I would say, yeah. Okay. But given my goals that I have now moving forward, just bigger picture dreams, bigger picture plans. No, I'm still working my, my way there. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> but Natasha from 10 years ago would say that you've currently made it right now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, just kind of holistically. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny because uh, the previous two guests also have also said that they have made it too. So it's like we're on a three, a three peat right now of like mm -hmm. people who are happy currently of where they are, because that is, that, that is actually like pretty healthy in terms of like setting goals for yourself too. It's not mm -hmm. only just a constant strive, but also like being happy with your current successes too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think like, you know, um, the last few months, especially being in quarantine and such has really attributed to that as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's given me a lot of time like, with myself at home, not feeling like the need to show up in certain places or do certain things. Um, and it really makes me just like appreciate the, the time I have at home with my, my husband and my dog and, you know, just the time I have to, to focus on my own stuff. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. You're a multi-talented professional dealing with producing, journalist, and interviewer, everything like that. What hobbies or crafts prior to you doing what you're doing now uh, led you into the craft that you want to go into now? Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's a great question because um, it, it's kind of funny, I think, because, gosh, like, what do I even start? So you, you mentioned Canadian Idol, right? Mm -hmm. In high school, I, I started this singing competition. Um, for high school students in Richmond, D.C., um, which is where I grew up, uh, modeled after Canadian Idol, American Idol, that kind of thing. Um, and with that, that was kind of really my first foray into like hosting and producing a, a live event. Um, and, you know, you know, this year, if it wasn't so, such a weird year and everything getting canceled, it would have yeah. been our 15th year uh, of the same competition. Um, but I would say that that's really where that started. Um, I've always been really involved in uh, performing arts, you know, singing and dancing. Uh, I say acting with quotation marks because it was you know, high school. Uh, I don't think I was actually very good, but I think it was a huge part of me forming, I guess, confidence, but also discipline hmm. uh, to be able to show up the way I want to show up, like whether it be on stage, on camera, or, you know, behind a microphone, what have, what have you. Um, so really like more than half my life, I feel like I've been kind of working towards that. Um, yeah. And I mean, like right out of, right out of high school too, because of my rich city idol experience, I had the opportunity mm -hmm. to intern at like MTV Canada before, like before it even moved out to Toronto. Wow. Um, yeah. So that was even before I started going to SFU, uh, cause I went to SFU, I transferred, uh, in my like third year of, of studies in university mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, just kind of like from there, I, I mean, I kind of pivoted a little bit as well. And I got more experience like marketing communications. And that's what a lot of my professional like nine to five job, like career kind of <laughs> trajectory has been focused on. Yeah, um, yeah. In the last like, in 2016, I kind of went through a bit of a career transition. And <laughs> um, I was working at a corporate marketing job and I was really unfulfilled. And I actually, I, I have a TEDx talk that, that goes into more detail about it, but the long story, is, or pardon me, the short, the short story is that um, I was very unfulfilled. That mm -hmm. led me to 
not being able to perform at work. And because of that, I, you know, like I was, you know, I was depressed. Like I wasn't doing work that was in line with my values. And even before kind of like shit hit the fan, but, but when I say shit hit the fan, I mean like I actually lost my job because oh, I wasn't performing. It was the first time that like anything like that ever happened. Like I'm very used to being like high performing and all that. And I, I know that it's a lot of, you know, it's pretty common for, for most people, our generation and uh, of our demographic, I suppose, in our community and the Asian, <laughs> Asian dating community specifically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even before that happened, I kind of, you know, reminded myself that, hey, like I actually really need to give myself the chance to explore media. Yeah. Um, and so when I lost my job, I ended up working in television casually as a producer and host, kind of letting myself live out my teenage dream, if you will. Yeah. And uh, and during that time also, um, I called it fun employment. Um, that's when the idea for Quilty Collective came about. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh my God. It, it really, like, I had a similar experience too in terms of not finding passion in my current job and then having to either continue on with that kind of misery or mm-hmm. make a drastic change and do something that I actually love. And I find that story really inspiring because it really does take that huge, for lack of a better term and cliche term, a leap of faith because you really don't know what's going to be on the other side until you take that jump. But you know mm-hmm. that your current place is not going to be beneficial for you too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, and, and I think that's why I think our generation um, is connecting through those stories. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of those, the, the people that we connect with through our platform, through Quilty Collective, um, mm-hmm. are, are looking for that kind of inspiration also, just to hear from other people in their experiences in terms of transitions in their life, whether it be through their career, personal life, moving to a new city, mm-hmm. um, as, as you both have. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, a leap of faith, but also a little bit of crazy, I would say, too. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I did. Um, I did really like when I watched the, your your TED talk um, on YouTube. I really liked the connection you made with how a lot of Westernized Asians, um, the experience is always kind of indoctrinated this idea of fear of failure, mm-hmm. and it's definitely something you could see with most kind of first generation immigrant families, immigrant kids, where it's like this idea of if you fail, that's the worst thing that could happen. Um, you got to choose something safe. And then when it comes to getting into things like the arts or, or anything creative in that area, it's almost it's a lot of these stories about Asians who failed in the traditional sense. And then it's like suddenly, OK, now I failed. I've gotten rid of that, you know, mentality. It's, it's already happened. What's what do I have to lose? You know, it's like you mentioned yourself. Uh, you got fired. I pretty I think I remember Simu Liu he also said he got laid off from his accounting job and that's what pushed him to take this take on this risk and like for me as well I've had a couple bad luck with a couple startups in the last few years so that's also kind of pushed me it's like well if I'm in this position looking for work might as well try something I'm passionate about as well while I'm doing it so I do like that that connection you made um when when you did do that uh, when you did the TED talk, I'm wondering then that moment when you actually you got fired or that shift happened. Were you already? I think you mentioned this a little bit, but were you already ready to go on to the next thing, or were you like, okay, now I have to reassess, and I think this I'm going to do this more. Yeah, thank you so much, Josh, for sharing your experience as well. Um, it just goes to show that you know so many people go through this uh, kind of transition or. I guess like this phase in, in their lives um mm-hmm. yeah i mean um 
I, I think for me, when I started work uh, doing the media work and started to try to do creative projects while I was still working that day job, that mm -hmm. the, the job in that tech company, um, it was out of a necessity to create. Um, it wasn't like this could be a career, right? It was like, okay, sweet. I just want to volunteer my time and really challenge myself at something that I feel like I might really enjoy. Um, mm -hmm. and I want to try to get better at it. Um, and with that, I didn't think it could be like a viable, like career option. Um, especially in Vancouver, uh, it's, I think it's really tough to be in media. Mm -hmm. Um, my personal interest is not necessarily in news media. Um, I think it's more so entertainment media, but then I realized later on, um, especially with starting Quilty Collective, that I'm a lot more connected to work that I do, like the deeper work that I do work that in depth conversations like this, right? Mm -hmm. um, so in in kind of that transition period, it wasn't like, okay, sweet, like it's time to, to, to do that thing now. Um, there was still certainly uh, a sense of like shame and, and failure. Um, mm -hmm. But the way that I dealt with it, just like being an extrovert was actually to talk about it publicly and communicate about it. Um, and with that, like just kind of took my time, uh, and, uh, three, the three years following that, mm -hmm. uh, I took on a whole bunch of different jobs, a whole bunch of different careers. So everything yeah. for the last like three years was just like all new. I even went into like teaching, teaching about like career education for high school universities because I just went through that myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so with that, uh, at the end of the day though, I think it still comes down to, you know, making sure that like at least for me that what I was spending my time on was what you know would challenge me but also would make me feel really fulfilled yeah mm -hmm. I I love the uh one of the mantras of Colty Collective is always for us by us and I take that mantra as almost like an authenticity call for the content that you push out but also the team the team's content that they push out through the Colty Collective mandate there um what does an authentic Asian experience mean for you in terms of being a younger Asian millennial in say Vancouver, but also in Canada in general? Hmm. Really good question. Um, for me, it means understanding that you don't have to be a hundred percent one thing or a hundred percent this thing or like, you know, on either ends of the spectrum. Right. Um, yeah. so whether you are, feel like you're more Canadian, whatever that means now, right? Okay. Um, or more like in my case, like I'm, I'm Chinese, right? Like yeah. Chinese. Um, I think for me to be authentic and being myself in the context of being an Asian millennial growing up in Canada and living in Canada, working in Canada, playing in Canada, um, <laughs> is really just about understand, under, understanding the intersectionality of the roles that I play um, mm. in my community, whether that be the Colty Collective community or even like in, in, in other communities that I'm a part of as well. And a lot of the times I feel like um, we try to shove ourselves into one bucket as opposed to recognizing like, no, like, Okay, so for me, like I'm a second generation Chinese Canadian. I'm the oldest child uh, of, of two. I'm, I'm a, you know, a, I, I'm a, I identify as female, mm -hmm. identify as a woman. Um, I'm, you know, cis, like heterosexual. Um, so with that, like, um, there are a lot of different intersections with that as well. Mm -hmm. um, that plus, you know, just the things that you're really passionate about. So I hope that, you know, other fellow Asian Canadians can understand that they don't have to be like 100% one thing that they can actually be a mix of all these different yeah. things. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, I, I was looking at, uh, I was watching your interview with Jake Choi um, <laughs> while, while prepping for this interview and everything. Uh, he, he talks a lot about like, why can't Asians be superheroes and everything, of course. And of course, we see that now mm -hmm. with, with Simu and everything. But mm -hmm. is, is one of your biggest goals, uh, goals with Cold Tea is to push the boundaries in what Asian could mean then? I don't think that Cold Tea Collective wants to define what that is. I think our mandate is really to create a platform for people to share stories so that mm -hmm. they, they themselves are inspired to arrive at that answer for themselves. Um, so, for example, that's why we try to get you know stories from a number of different communities, try to get as many diverse experiences and perspectives as possible mm -hmm. to just show um, that you can be all these different things. Um, yeah. I mean, like for me, I you know I think about you know, role models or mentors. Um, I don't know if I can fully say like I had this like one person or like a handful of people that I specifically looked up to, mm -hmm. um, especially like not working in, in a very you know corporate like field previously when I worked in, when I worked in marketing. But um, it's kind of the idea of you can't be what you can't see, and mixed with the idea of be your own hero or be a hero for someone else. Um, so that's that's kind of what you know, Culty Collective, you know, does to to serve our community. Just really just opening it, opening people's minds to different opportunities as well as perspectives, and it hopefully inspire them to to figure that out for themselves. Absolutely interesting. I'm I've looked gone through um, kind of the Culty Collective website and a lot of the different posts. So you do have a rather pretty eclectic um, contributors. I'm wondering what the process is for you to find these voices or is it kind of like very open process that anybody who's like even listening to this podcast can just send you an email or just try to get in contact to get mm. their voice out? Yeah, no, thank you for asking that. Um, so two, two different things. So there, I think there's two different layers there. So um, Culty Collective is always open to pitches. So um, you can email us at info at coldtcollective.com or even on our website, there's specifically a page that says, that's called a share your story. And it gives you specific instructions on how to pitch your story. Um, so that okay. can be on an individual contributor basis. Sometimes we have volunteer opportunities open for like staff writers and editors. Mm -hmm. And those folks are a little bit more like committed um, and they contribute to us a little bit more like and you know if you're part of the team you have like regular meetings and all that kind of stuff um but it's kind of funny because in the beginning um maybe when we had like two or three hundred followers like a couple of years ago um uh, not that we have like a, like a lot now but um we you know if if ever anyone would follow us like oh my gosh like that's so cool i'm gonna dm them like thanks so much for the follow like how did you find us because like i'm always really curious right yeah, yeah um and then you know kind of literally like sliding into people's dms like that's how we got our editor-in-chief like he won't mind me telling you that but <laughs> um yeah i mean anytime you know we can we can connect with people that have a story they want to share um you know we'll always do our best to try to try to support them on our platform um it doesn't always like work out just depending on kind of our editorial guidelines and their idea or maybe sometimes we'll refer them to another publication that might be more in line with what like what they want to share um but yeah we're always open to uh pitches thanks for asking no worries yeah no because 
Well, I will, we'll talk later. But um, okay, okay. actually, but it is it is nice to see because I remember hearing about Colty Collective a couple of years ago, and then taking another look at it now, like seeing how how much it's grown. I mean, there's always going to be that grind where you're trying where you're trying something new, and then you want to somehow get people that's kind of outside of your immediate like friend group or like maybe Facebook network. It's like those are the people where you're you're you feel like maybe there's some momentum you can reach and an audience outside of your initial circle, initial mm-hmm. bubble. So when you when you said it's like you're so excited about that 300th, you know, follower, like Lucas and I, exactly the same. It's like the second we get yeah. an additional subscriber, everything is so much. It's like, oh, we found somebody who we didn't necessarily was looking for and now they found us somehow. <laughs> yeah. That's like just a rush of endorphins. It's like, yeah. It's so, a weird compliment, right? And yeah. that really speaks to, the, you know, the content you're creating and uh, the community you're trying to build. Yeah, how was that? How was that pro- feeling in the first, like, new iterations of of the Colty Collective, where it's like, you know, you just got to keep focused, keep grinding it out. Was there anything like you you did, or you or your team did to keep focused? Um, I think for me, like, just naturally, I'm I'm very much a planner. So in the beginning, I actually um, I feel like I was holding back a lot because mm. I was a mind mm. of the mindset of. I got to make this perfect before we roll something out. But then right. it's kind of, you know, I had to, I had like a couple of friends that would remind me, like, you know, you actually have to shift your mindset from that because um, the, the more you shift, the more, and the more frequently you shift, the more feedback you'll be able to get. Right. And right. so I think for us, um, or I guess my mentality now is more like, you got an idea. Cool. Let's make it happen. But you know, if you have an idea, you have to be the one to make it come to life, kind of thing, right? <laughs> or like oh, yeah. help shape that somehow. Um, yeah, it's you know, in the in the beginning, it's yeah, like you, there have been people that have been following us. Like you know, maybe they don't comment on things, but maybe sometimes they'll like something, or maybe they'll send us to DM, um, say like you know, I've been following you for a while, or you know, people that recently joined our team, either staff writers or editors mm-hmm. um they said that they've been following us for like two years i'm like holy shit I'm like you we were so different two years ago <laughs> um so it's it's amazing uh and to just to, to see you know the stories come to life um is really cool we actually just uh brought on board our two two very first uh toronto-based uh staff writers so oh, see, nice. see some more stories from the six soon i hope <laughs> nice um yeah it's also cool too like uh one of our mutual friends and everything uh angie she also like heads up the book club that cold tea collective um hosts too and it's like you guys are really branching on not only online but also in physical spaces too really yeah cool. yeah we i mean like pre-covid times yeah we, we had a couple like book club meetups um <laughs> but also and we had like a couple of events last fall we had a big one it was a panel event called the entrepreneur series and so mm-hmm. We featured, uh, we did an article, podcast, and like a panel event for four different Asian uh, Asian entrepreneurs, uh, vastly different businesses, and um, like hoping hoping to do more of those uh, in the future. But you know, for now, I guess it's it's mostly just online content or you know like um, like Instagram live chats. Uh, but it's it's hard sometimes, right, uh, to mm-hmm. be able to do that. Um, I don't know. But that, that being said, like I feel like. In be, being in quarantine, it's it's a lot easier to say yes to those things too. Like I know I've just called them a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's it's cool to see how people have pivoted. But yeah, certainly I really miss people. To be honest with you, <laughs> hopefully we'll be able to have another event sometime soon. But until yeah. then, we're, we're looking at ways and how to keep our community engaged and inspired. 
That's the main thing. Like I, I remember I was watching a talk uh, that you did with the BC Patient Safety and Quality Council. It was about mm. a, uh, a talk about mental health and within the finer details of an Asian perspective through mental health. And you, and you greatly per- personified that idea through, um, through tea, basically, about how you awaken tea leaves and all that, too. Um, mm-hmm. Why does this topic of mental health, especially in the Asian, Asian setting, mean so much to you? And what can we do to actually bring that topic up more? Mm-hmm. Um, it means a lot to me just because I personally have struggled with it. And in the last year, I've had a, a, like at least two really good friends um, struggle with anxiety exactly. and, and depression based on, you know, they're, you know, just being really unhappy with their work situation and not doing work in line with their values. Um, and that really resonated with me because it's exactly what I went through. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in any way to any way that we can, you know, provide resources and support that, um, you know, that that's what, what we did. Right. There's a couple like, so, uh, I was in LA last year and, you know, I've, I've introduced myself and talked to people about like what Quilty Collective is and they'd be like, Oh, what does the name mean? And one of the, so whenever anyone asks me that, I ask them first, okay, like, well, I'll answer you, but I want to know what you mean or well, sorry. Hmm. I want to know what you think the name means. Right. Oh, okay. And one of the coolest responses that I, I ever got was um, someone saying that Quilty Collective. So if you think about it, hot tea is like the hottest gossip. But then cold tea is what people are not talking about. Oh. So in some ways, it's kind of related to that too and how we want to bring a light to the, the things that are really hard for people to talk about. And if we can create content that helps people recognize that they're not alone or empower them or give them language to deal with their mental health challenges, then mm-hmm. why not? Because um, certainly, you know, we, we don't cover a lot of news specifically. Um, and especially when it comes to like, let's just say for example anti-asian like hate crimes right we don't mm-hmm. cover that stuff too much just because oh. um i think a lot of other outlets can cover that but what mm-hmm. we want to do is be a light for our community and our audience and so that's why we kind of steer away from that um your second question um was uh sorry can you remind what your second question the second part of that question was yeah least? yeah uh what can we as asians and also just in a furthermore community do to um, encourage more talk about mental health within the Asian context? Yeah. I mean, um, well, firstly, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of similar to what's happening around the discussion of with like allyship right now. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, within the, the black community, indigenous community and other people of, of persons of color communities, um, I think it comes down to first taking a look at, you know, if this is something you're passionate about or want to learn more about, look within yourself first. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But certainly, you know, even on our own Pulte Collective, we have a number of resources and articles that share not only personal stories, but actual like resources and links to um, different support networks and groups mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Um, I think what's been really interesting over the last year or two as well is the growth of like Facebook groups, like subtle Asian mental health. Um, a lot mm. of those subtle Asian like groups yeah. um, that really just make it an open platform for people to share their experiences um, mm-hmm. as well as like ask for help and ask questions. And so I think to uh, once again, to answer your question around like, what can we do to get people talking about it is now think about, you know, what, it, what does it mean to you? Um, look at the people in your community, within your social circles, your mm-hmm. family, um, see how maybe, you know, mental health has, 
um, impacted, you know, them on an individual or community basis and, you know, do, do their research. Um, there's, there's certainly a lot of, um, resources out there, but I think for me personally, it's really Mm -hmm. important to have resources that are associated with, I guess, kind of the cultural experiences that we have. So that's going back to for us, by us, um, in making sure that you are referring to resources that actually apply to you on a cultural level as well, I think is important. Um, And that's kind of the gap we're trying to fill with, in particular with that mental health content. Um, But yeah, so just uh, hopefully that helps a little bit, but at the end of the day, like talking about it Mm -hmm. um, is, is the, not the first step, but it's a big step uh, depending on where you are in your journey. Absolutely. I I think in terms of, of living in a, understanding because the the thought of being a person of color and a minority has been ingrained into my head ever since I was in kindergarten it's it's a it's a identity that's been uh impressed onto me since I was very young and with living in that kind of identity it's it's a constant negotiation within myself to accept who I am within this culture that is that that sees me as something than other than other too um would you say mental health in terms of how we view it today is a more form of self-acceptance then? Uh, well, okay. That's an interesting question. So a form of self-acceptance, uh, are you, are you asking if, uh, acknowledging mental health, that your mental health challenges is a form of self-acceptance or are you saying that like, the, yeah, yeah. The, the first option. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 hard to ask for help. You can't even like talk about it probably unless you know you have a, a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if if you know you yourself shared that you know you've kind of felt like otherwise throughout your life, and it's something you know your identity is something that you were acutely aware of from a young age. Mm-hmm. It's understanding that that's okay. Um, I think it's understanding that it doesn't make you any less of a person or less worthy of an opportunity or less, less anything. Um, Mm -hmm. and accepting that you have maybe, you know, mental health challenges that you need to work through is definitely, um, one of the, one of the first things. Um, but I think you also like, not just you specifically, but I mean, I think people also need to recognize that, um, to overcome these challenges, it doesn't happen overnight, right? Mm-hmm. It comes through a lot of hard work, a lot of hard, you know, deep self-work. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you can't like, you know, you're not going to find those, uh, I guess, solutions in the bottom of a, a bottle, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you're not going to find it necessarily in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for for us growing up as Asian Canadians, um, there's, when you, when you also talk about self-acceptance, it's about, you know, accepting that everyone is flawed. Like you are a flawed person, but yeah. then again, who's to say what what's flawed and what's not, right? <laughs> um, and that's you know, kind of letting go of that idea of perfection um, mm-hmm. is is part of that journey as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to add on that, Josh? Um, yeah, I think kind of when when you guys are talking mental health. Um, and like, there's going to be a different relationship between the uh, Asians who grew up in Western mindset versus the immigrant generation, immigrant parents, or even a generation up. And it's like the grandparents, right? There's going to be different levels of how you, you can communicate kind of those mental health 
um, issues. I'm wondering then in terms of, because your main audience with Colty Collective is going to be the millennial perspective. It's a very distinct, specific perspective. I'm mm -hmm. wondering if you've gotten any like kind of feedback from like the parental perspective or even potentially, who knows, like one level even further up, you know, how mm -hmm. is the more immigrant, you know, parents perspective come to kind of seeing these stories that you're putting out there. That's going to be rather um, kind of, I would imagine aggressive to the minds of, of immigrant parents who don't usually talk about the things that you're trying to discuss on Colty Collective. Um, what, I mean, it's, they're not really our audience, right? So, yeah. um, or I, I mean, I don't, that's why I, I don't, we don't really get like feedback uh, from the, yeah. the Asian immigrant parent generation. But that being said, of course, our core audience are, you know, the, the, the offspring of that generation, right? And so mm -hmm. a lot of times you'll get that like intergenerational um, that conflict. Mm -hmm. And I think where we try to um, fill in that gap for our generation, our core audience is giving them tools to talk about it, hopefully, right. their parents. But I think at the end of the day, it really is all about empathy. Um, and so we actually have a, a, a post on our Instagram right now uh, recently about how to talk to your parents about the Black Lives Matter movement. But I actually mm -hmm. feel like right. you know, some of the tips in that, that article, um, so it is an article as well, so it is on our website, um, actually relate to talking to your parents about mental health challenges as well and mental health. Um, and just not even just mental health, but just like any just generational differences in values or, or expectations. Um, yeah. I think, you know, as I mean, I actually, yeah, the only, well, not only feedback, but an interesting piece of feedback that I've gotten from, I guess my parents' generation was actually yeah. from like my dad. Um, so he like reads like a lot of the stuff that we put out. Um, and he, you know, he's like in his sixties, he was born in Vancouver, uh, but he was even more in between because like his parents were like, right. you know, were the, the first generation immigrants. Mm. Right. So mm -hmm. um, he said that, you know, reading some of our content, um, that said, wow, like, you know, that's really interesting that the millennials are feeling this because he actually felt that a generation previously. Oh. So that actually made me like realize that, Hey, like we, sometimes we just don't know where our parents are in that journey as well. Yeah. So right. just even opening up that conversation is, is important. And even like, for example, uh, going off on a bit of a tangent now, but uh, when, when I was planning my wedding um, last year, I got, married early last year um you know some of the conversations we were having around you know expectations for the actual wedding um mm -hmm. it brought up a lot of like i guess trauma and drama from when my parents got married mm -hmm. and so some of that got passed down and then that was actually an opportunity to talk about you know what does it mean to you for this to happen at the wedding and why is that the case um and also like recognizing like wow like my mom had like a hard time, like, you know, because she was so different than like the upbringing of my dad and like, and vice mm -hmm. versa too. So, um, you know, hearing that was really interesting because it's not something that they ever talked about before and not something that I really had any kind of like perspective on. So, um, I think, you know, hopefully you know, our content improves as, or provides that opening, opening line for a conversation. Wow. Yeah, I, I, uh, we, we always get so centered in our own experiences about how we're feeling and everything, but we don't 
at least you, you brought to light with, with what you just said too. Our parents also had to grapple through maybe not the exact same scenarios that we're grappling with, but at least they had mm-hmm. the same feelings that they had to go through. Yeah. The universal experience. And it's, yeah. that was very profound. It is. Um, and, and that's the thing too, right? I, I think it's, you know, it is generational, but I think it's about life stage too. Mm-hmm. Like in your, in your like, you know, we kind of play in the, in the realm of like 25 to 35 because there are some very distinct things that happen when you're 25, 30, 35, like in your life, yeah. like regardless of your generation. And so mm-hmm. I think that's kind of where we're able to get our, not inspiration, but I guess context from. Um, right. Like even, for example, like the movie Crazy Rich Asians, like, yeah, I was like, cool, like this was great. I connected to this part. But then like apparently the dumpling scene like, really got my mom. Like, because that was, like, something that she legit went through. So um, it, I, I thought that was really interesting to learn because I just, once again, just didn't know because I thought my mom was, like, no, perfect. Like, could do no wrong kind of thing. <laughs> and just yeah. to hear that, I was like, holy crap. Like, that's insane. So it just it just hits in a different way for different generations, I think. Oh, my God. That's so true. Ooh. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite the reaction there. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, because oh, – now now i realize like my dad was this how old i am when he had me and i can't imagine having kids right now just because totally different different mindset but like when he had me he was probably feeling unprepared too he was feeling inadequate and everything too and i think as i grow older i think as you just said too it gives more form of empathy to my parents and also to the generation that was there before my parents too Mm-hmm. because we're all trying to go through life and figure it out, but it's really odd when we just get so into ourselves. No. It's true. Yeah. And it's a, that's, that's a, okay. I said there need me. I was arguing against what a flaw was or not, but I think that is a flaw of our generation and that we mm. can tend to be very self-absorbed and we tend yeah. to be very insular. Um, I mean, we like to pretend that we're woke uh, in a lot of cases. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that we're not, but, yeah, empathy when it comes to our parents' generation, um, when we're struggling with what's going on internally for ourselves, uh, mm-hmm. is a challenge for us for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, just to to wrap it up, I, I'm going to pass these next two questions. Um, so, when you first started out, of course, the term "making it" has has changed and meandered and evolved. Um, how has the term "making it" changed as you continue on this journey? how is the term making it changed as i continue on the script as i evolve things as i evolve my vision evolves um i think it's interesting because only recently do i feel like i think especially because the last few years as i mentioned earlier i know did a lot of career pivots um i feel like i'm finally like like i have some knowledge and some experience to like make certain decisions i'm like am i qualified to do stuff now or like um but i guess in terms of how how that's evolved is i mean if you're not setting goals for for different parts of your life um then you're staying the same right Mm -hmm. um even just like recognizing every day the strides that you're making even as as like tiny as they may seem to you they're Mm -hmm. actually contributing to the bigger picture i think that 
um, connects to the idea of building habits and building a lifestyle in a certain way. Um, and for me, like I'm less, I mean, yes, I'm focused on bigger picture stuff, but I'm also focused on um, just building those daily habits that help me be an effective person so that when I do have these big goals, I will know how to tackle it like methodically, but also in a way that I feel fulfilled and proud and energized and inspired by the work that I do. Nice. Yeah. No, I can, that definitely makes sense. Um, especially w- with me say like, it's been about a year now since I've started doing comedy and it's, it's more about from what I've learned through the comedic process, it is about like slowly increasing your skills or your comfort on stage, writing more material, that kind of mm-hmm. element and developing and being prepared for the moment when you get a break or like an opportunity comes up and you're ready for it. And like, there's a, there's a, element of say like a book that i'm reading right now from uh, malcolm gladwell the tipping point where it's like big things can happen huge trends can happen but a lot of the times it starts from very small choices or very small um, actions and then over time for some reason they build up and then at one point they suddenly tip over i'm wondering then for like say cold tea cold tea collective and from when you started to where you are now like, what do you feel like might have been that tipping point where you feel like all your hard work over the years and suddenly now there, it feels like there's some traction gaining? Um, what was the tipping point, basically, right? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> uh, I know this sounds like bad to, maybe not bad, but uh, being an extrovert, I certainly looked for external validation. Um, mm. But... So I think there's there's two ways I can look at that. So um, the fact that we, you know, on a quarterly basis can bring in new volunteers that want to get involved in us is um, is huge to me because it just shows that we are building a community that actually inspires people to want to, you know, give their time to us. Yeah. Um, and I think on the not flip side, but um, in addition to that, you know, being approached by you know brands or companies or other publishers to collaborate with them because they see value in our voices Mm -hmm. um and the stories that we tell like that is a huge validator um and like in my mind as well so uh tipping point like there certainly are a couple like situations where i feel like okay wow like we're like really in this now (laughs) um and that's like I guess as a, as a business too, right. It's, you know, we, I mean, we are at this time like volunteer run, but you know, the tipping point for me is also, you know, recognizing the, the significance of people wanting to give us money to share our stories. Uh, that's huge, uh, for me. Um, that plus, as I mentioned, just kind of the, the more consistent, like the regular intake of, of more people to build our community and capacity to, to tell stories. Awesome. Awesome. And um, just my last question that I usually ask every guest that we have here, we are living in exceptional times right now. Um, Mm. In light of all that's happening in the world, what does being an artist mean to you? Uh, Two things. Being an artist to me means being adaptable and resourceful. so, I mean, luckily for us, we are, um, you know, an online publication. Um, certainly we've had to, you know, postpone or cancel some events as well. But mm-hmm. I mean, with that, there's creative problem solving and 
looking around us to see what resources we have available to us to make sure that we're, we're still meeting our goals and serving the needs of our community. Yep. So I, I think for me, like that's what being a creative in, in this day and age means. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. That's beautiful. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, cool. Should we go into the, the palate, palate cleanser? cleanser? <laughs> yeah, the palate cleanser. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> so usually at the end of the podcast, we have a palate cleanser. It's kind of a word association game. Lucas has 10 words. I have 10 words. And uh, we'll just go ahead and read them. So whichever word you hear, first word that comes to your mind, just say it out loud. So clear your mind. Um, I guess I'll go and then Lucas, you'll end it off. Perfect. Cool. All right. So first word. Mine's all clear. Family. Food. <laughs> nice. No, that I, is... I, uh, I mean, like dinner table. I imagined a dinner table. And then yes. Food on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how Asians show love is food. We, yeah, Food is absolutely. most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100%. Okay. Next word. In mind. Pineapple. Juice. But a Rank. close second, kind of literally at the same time. Yeah, was like uh, like cracked lips. Like I once ate <laughs> too many pieces of pineapple. It actually cracked my lips, and it was really painful. The citrusy goodness yeah. turned into goodness. <laughs> Isn't there like an enzyme in pineapples that is like that really breaks stuff down? I don't know why that when you it's sit very acidic. Like, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, next word: rain. Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alone. Gratitude. I was gonna say solitude, but then I realized that was the same thing as being alone. Uh, but like the the feelings of gratitude. Um, not that I don't like people or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah. yeah everybody. Everybody <laughs> needs their uh, their alone time. For sure. Learn, learning to learning to be grateful for the time I have to myself and to yeah. be with myself. Because uh, as I mentioned, as an extrovert, that's it's really hard for me to do that. So being actually okay with that now is, is good. <laughs> nice, nice. Next word. Motivation. Drizzy Drake. He's my motivation. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> no, he's my motivator. He's my motivator. Like in the sense of like Okay, so I know that that's part of the intro and it's maybe like a recurring theme throughout our conversation, but um, what he's done for Toronto and like mm. Canada is what I want to do for Asian Canadians and Asian Americans. Um, just being proud to represent, um, being unabashedly like, I am Drake. And I'll be like, I'm Asian Canadian. Uh, I'm an Asian millennial. So mm-hmm. oh, Drake gives nice. motivation to do that. His lyrics do. All, all of his lyrics started from the bottom. Now we're here. It's just <laughs> workout, workout tracks. Um, yeah. Great. Okay. Next word. Kumquat. Okay. To be honest with you, I don't really know what a kumquat looks like. I don't know either. It's like a fruit. I just know it's a fruit and it's always yeah. a funny word. <laughs> uh, I, like, I literally can't even imagine it. So I'm like, that's why I'm like, I don't really know if I have an association with that. I yeah I always like that word because it's it's always it's always like a curveball it's always a curveball yeah, in my list. Um, yeah. Okay, next word, mountain. Uh, the song "Ain't No Mountain High Enough." Classic, mm. classic, classic. <laughs> okay, 
Next word. Tightrope. Sorry, what was that? Tightrope. Uh, yeah, me falling, <laughs> like walking on a tightrope and falling. That was like the first thing I visualized. <laughs> falling. All right. Next word. Satisfied. Once again, food. Like just feeling really satisfied with mm. the And last word, ending. Happy. Happy yeah. ending. It's not in the creepy way, guys. Just <laughs> the, happy. Yeah, being happy story. with the result. Kid yeah, story way. They all lived happily ever after. Nice. Great. Those are my ten. All right. Bye. Okay. You feel cleansed? You feel all right, all right, all right. Here we go. First word. Oh, this is such a gimme, too. Ugh. Okay, anyways, first word. Drake. Sorry, Drake? Like, yeah, just like love. It's all love, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Second word, journey. Path. Dope, dope. Uh, third, T-O. Uh, I, okay, so I, I, I was caught between like a visual. Yeah. So it was like the visual of like, I have an OVO hat with the owl on it. Nice. So that's more of a visual representation, representation that's like popping into my head as opposed to a, a word. Beautiful, um, beautiful. We got it. I I got the image in my head. I got it. Uh, I should have worn that tonight. <laughs> yeah. Corn. Uh, quarantine. Oh, quarantine. Um, safety. True. Teacher. Inspiration. Artist. Creative. Producer. Me wearing my hat, producer hat. <laughs> Nice, like nice. someone, like a, like a, you know, someone that's just wearing a producer hat and just making sure everything's like, yeah, making making sense and, and working the way it's supposed to work. It's one of the most most stressful jobs. I I I don't know how you do it. Ugh. No, uh, you're doing it though. You're doing it. Ah, getting there, getting there. Uh, <laughs> Vancouver. Home. Light. Right. Last one, Natasha. Me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Give it up for Natasha. Thank you for coming on. You guys are amazing. Uh, where can uh, people? Oh, sorry. What are your social media handles? Where can people find yeah. you? Yeah, for sure. Um, so you can find Cold Tea Collective on Instagram and Facebook at Cold Tea Collective on Twitter at Cold Tea Media. We're also on LinkedIn. Um, and so for myself personally, it's just at Natasha Jung on Instagram. Um, and same thing, my name on uh, LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, other than that, just yeah, follow Cold Tea Collective, um, coldteacollective.com. I do write from time to time, uh, not so much lately because we have an amazing team of writers and editors. But um, I do like to hop on there uh, from time to time as well. We also as you might know, we have a podcast and some videos mm-hmm. as yes. well. And you can also just go to the website and you'll find all the links for that too. So, uh, Amazing. Great. Josh, you want to go? 
for me, yes. Uh, you could follow me, find me on all social media at Josh Yang Comedy. Um, I do have my second podcast called Sleep with Josh. So check that to see what I'm reading so to help you go to sleep. <clears throat> uh, and I would say also, like, um, I put out a clip last week since last week was the uh, one year uh, anniversary for me in comedy. I decided to actually release my very first set at Absolute Comedy. So it's been out for a week now, pretty much. But go check that out. It's uh, on my Instagram, Facebook page and stuff like that. Great. It is an incredibly killer set. So please, everyone, look oh, yeah. out for that, for that set. Uh, you can find me at Lucas John Ng on Instagram and on Facebook. And you can find this podcast at HWMIY Podcast on Instagram. And subscribe and follow us, please, on YouTube. Because subscriber, thank you. And yeah, we really, Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, see you all next week, then. And give it up for Natasha again. Again. Hey. Oh, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Okay. See you all later. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.